celebrating one year. So we've got a lot of celebration going on across the peninsula, and uh, you're not very excited about it, so I'm kind of judging you right now. That's a little bit better. So, hey, we're celebrating that. And uh, tonight after service, because we are celebrating, right? And uh, celebrating God's goodness and his faithfulness. Not just, hey, we made it another year, but we're celebrating that God is with us, that God has gone before us, that God has plans, right, uh, for the church. And so we're coming together to celebrate by going and taking over Sal's restaurants. Yes, because Jesus... Jesus, he helped us to discover and experience and enjoy Italian food. I don't know how I'm giving him credit, but I am because it's good. So we're going to go eat some breadsticks. We're going to go eat some pasta, but we're going to have fun. So I want to encourage you, even if this is your first night tonight, come out and celebrate with us because you never get to know people better than you do when you're sitting around and eating food with them, right? And uh, so make sure you're connecting with us, celebrating. We would love for you to be there. And uh, if you're just like, I don't know if I can swing it, Terrence will pay for your meal. So make sure. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So we'd love for you to be there after service. It's going to be fun. So it's Sal's by Victor, which is on Richmond Road in Monticello in that shopping center. There's another Sal's. Don't go to that one. All right, go to the Sal's by Victor. So uh, we would love to see you there. Happening right after service. So, hey, so we are in the midst of a sermon series right now here at the Waynesburg campus called What Is This All About? And talking about what is this? What is us being here together? What is this us coming together? What is this all about? What are we doing? Well, we're walking through and talking about the core values that we want to have, that we want to uh, shape us and identify us. Having a clear set of, um, set of core values is important for any organization. Um, it's something that each successful organization has done well, has clarified, has understood, and allowed themselves to build their culture around that. A lot of times we get set on and we try to figure out, well, why are we doing what we do? So maybe you have an idea or you come up with an invention or there's a need that needs to be met so a business can be started or anything like that. A church, we have a why as well. The church was started by Jesus. Was It was his plan A to come and help the world to know his love for them and discover the grace and goodness of God. So he came and started the church. So the why of the church is that we are to glorify God and in our glorifying God, people come to know that God God is real and present, and they discover him in their lives as well. That is our why. Universal is a church. That's what we're here for. We're here to glorify God and help others come to God. So there's a why, and a lot of people know their why, and the more you know your why, the more you're impassioned by your why, the better you do. And a lot of people, they come up with a mission statement. They come up with their what. This is what we do. This is uh, the, the, the what in our day-to-day basis and, and, and what our goal and our objective is. And so our what here at City Life, I'll read it to you, is to be a church that declares the abundant life promised in and through Christ that can only be described as heaven now, heaven forever by developing devoted followers of Christ to live lives of full of meaning, purpose, and significance here and now in preparation for eternity and by planting like-minded churches throughout the peninsula. So we're a church that wants to be set on recognizing and helping others, helping each every one of us, helping you, helping people in the community to recognize that God is present and that God has a full and meaningful life for them here and now. 
that we're not just waiting for one day when Jesus comes back and we get to her eternity that everything finally gets to be okay then. Because it's going to be better than fine then, right? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be mind-blowing, incredible. But how many of you know that the here and now, God cares about that, right? That here and the now, that God does want to bless you. The here and now, God does want to walk with you and encourage you and strengthen you. And that the here and now, God has a purpose for you, right? How many of you know that here and now, that God does care about your joy in the now? He cares about your happiness in the now. He wants you to live a full life. He wants you to smile no matter what the weather is. He wants you to smile no matter what your bank account is. He wants your hearts to be full and aware of Him living a full life now and forever. And so... As a church, we want to do things. It's the reason we meet on Saturday night is we do that so that we can help reorient our schedules and help us to see more of who God is, right? So we've got this what. What we do is we want to help people to know a life of meaning and purpose now, and we're doing that in essence by planting like-minded churches throughout the region that have shared values. So the values are our how. In any organization, that is successful, that's driven, that is working out, they understand their how. If an organization is kind of waffling, they're not sure what they're doing or how they're supposed to be carrying out their what, then a lot of people can come together because they like the idea, they like the purpose of the organization, like, like the purpose of the church, they come together. But if you don't have your core values defined, if they're not clear, then guess what happens? We get opinionated about what we're doing. And when a bunch of people got opinions, you know nothing productive ever happens in that moment, right? So it's important for people to come together around a shared set of values. What are values? Your values are your how. How do you carry out the what? Your values are the things that you want to be characterized by. Your values are the things that you want to be known by. Your values are the things that you want to define you. They help shape your culture and define behavior. So it's important for us to know them as a church. It's important for you to have values in your life. If you're a family, if you're just like, my kids are always crazy and they don't ever listen or they're always all over the place or I don't feel like we're accomplishing the things or we're not quite where I want us to be as a family, ask yourself, do I have a set of values that define and direct our lives? How we treat each other, how we respond to each other, what we give our time to, what we give our energy to, what we say yes to, and what we say no to. If you have a set of values, those things become clear, and when you have a clear view of how you're living out your life, then what you want to accomplish becomes more attainable. Does that make sense? So it's important for us to do that. And so we are going to tonight jump again and look at the values that we have here. We've covered so far. The first one is to be an enthusiastic encourager. To be an enthusiastic encourager. We want to be people, we want to be known as a church that encourages people and builds people up. Not just because we want to be a happy church that's smiling no matter what, but we want to be a church that points to God's faithfulness in every situation. In every place and where every person is and no matter what they're going through, we want to be able to encourage people. We want to be able to stand next to people and say, I have no clue what you're going through, but I'm going to go through it with you. Hey, I know where you are right now because guess what? I was there two years and so we're going to walk through this thing together and I want to encourage you to know that God is faithful and God is good. Hey, I don't know who you are at all, right? But I want to encourage you. I felt like tonight when I saw you that God said, hey, Go tell that person 
that I love them. And I just want to encourage you tonight that God notices you, God sees you, he loves you, and he cares about you. We want to be enthusiastic about the fact that God is active and working in our lives, that he's guiding and directing us for the purpose of what? To know him and to live the life that Jesus came and died on the cross for us to know and experience, right? So we want to be enthusiastic, encouraging people to see and to know that God is present, real, and working. We get that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Paul says, to encourage, right? So encourage, because Jesus came and died. We should encourage each other. Secondly, we talked about fight for clarity. Fight for clarity. Too often churches are known for divisions because people are refusing to talk to each other. Too often churches are known for what they are against and who they don't like instead of knowing what they're for and who they're willing to serve and love despite of their preferences, right? What happens a lot of times when division happens, when those things take place, it's because we refuse to fight to clarify what's really happening. It's important to fight for clarity in your own heart. Why do I feel the way that I feel about this person? Why do I feel the way that I feel right now about this situation? Why do I feel, right? So it's important for us to fight for clarity, to ask those questions. What's going on in my own heart? Maybe there's somebody in the church. You're just like, I don't know if I really like that person. And I don't know if I can be around that person. Why is that, right? To fight for clarity in that situation. Maybe there's something that happens in the church, right? Maybe there's something that I say up here that you're just like, I don't like that. Or maybe there's something that I do and you're just like, hey, I don't like that. Don't just say, I'm going to judge that person off of that and walk away, but instead fight for clarity. If God has brought you into this community, he's brought you in this body, he's brought us together to encourage each other, to build each other up, right? And so if I'm in error, if I'm doing something wrong, maybe you're the person to help me see that. And so fight for clarity. Come in and say, why do you do that? Why do you act that way? Why do you speak like that, right? Why do you do those different things? Whatever it might be, fight for clarity because you might find something has meaning or reason for it. You might just find that I'm really not that smart. Who knows, right? And so you can move into the moment and just say, hey, now I understand something at a deeper level. And as you do that, you begin to find the place to serve and encourage somebody else for your heart to be cleared so that you're not now being directed by opinion. You're not now being directed by frustration or fear or worry. You're now being directed by love because you chose to put a person first to understand the situation, figure something out, and maybe even to help them grow. Isn't that awesome? So you fight for clarity. If there's something that is happening in your workplace or in your home, fight for clarity. It's important for us to understand what is going on. We don't want to criticize the things that we don't understand. We don't want to just sit there and look at it and say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. We want to be people because God has given each and every one of us a gift, a gift to help others as followers of Christ to know him, to grow in him, to see him at a greater level. So I'm not going to sit there and just criticize, criticize, criticize. I'm going to go and say, hey, I don't know about that. Why do I not know about that? Eh, whatever, I guess I shouldn't really care about it, right? Or you're going to, you know, I don't know why that's going on. I don't like that that's going on. So I'm going to step in. Why is that happening? Why is that working the way that it is? Why is, you know, go through and I start asking all these questions. That makes absolute sense. Oh, I can get behind that now. Guess what there is? Unity, right? And where there's unity, there's God's blessing, right? And so that's where we want to be. Or we step into a situation and we start seeing things. We're just like, you know what? I fought for clarity. Now God has brought us together and we're able to live out the life that he has because I was able to bring a solution to the table instead of a criticism, right? I want you to hear in that. 
we fight to build unity. It doesn't mean to not disagree. We like disagreement. Sometimes in our meetings, we disagree a little too much. <laughs> but it's important. It's important to be able to share your opinions, but then leave your opinions at the table and stand up for the thing that God's called us to be centered around and directed towards, which is Jesus and the life that he brings. And this is good stuff. All right, believe in people. That's our next one, believe in people. We want to believe in people. I want to be known for believing in people. I want to be known for people that, that, that say, hey, you know what? When I least deserved it and when I never should have had a pastor come and put his arm around me and walk next to me, that's where Jamie was. I want our church to be known for that. Uh, and so what we talked about in here is to believe in people when they least expect it and they least deserve it. Why do we want to do that? Romans chapter 5 verse 6, that's what Jesus did for us. When we least deserved it, when we were at our worst, that's when Jesus came right in that moment and he believed in us and loved us. So we want to do the same and we want to do for others what we wish they would do for us, right? Because that's what we teach our two-year-olds. It's what we teach our five-year-olds. And it needs to be something that we teach ourselves because we never outgrow that. That's the way that we're supposed to live our lives. Fourthly, we talked about diversity invites opportunity. Diversity invites opportunity. My challenge to the church was this, that if your circles all look the same, if they look the same in color, if they look the same in age, if they look the same in experience, if they look the same in wealth, you've got to do something to mix up your circles. You've got to do something to change it. Because what that does is, is that encourages and fosters you to gravitate towards the things that pull you away from loving others and serving others and focusing on your interests instead. You've got to step out into a place where you're having relationship with people that you disagree with, that have a different perspective than you do, that have different experiences than you do, a different background than you do, that they're older than you, that they're younger than you, so they can help you see things that you can't see yourself. And when you do that, there's opportunity for growth, there's opportunity for sacrifice, there's opportunity for love, there's opportunity for God to show up and explode into that situation. Isn't that good stuff? Man, we could stop right there, but guess what? We're not, because we know what we're talking about, is expectation shapes reality. Expectation shapes reality. This one I'm super excited about. I care about this one a lot because expectation is an important thing in our lives. Too often times, we just kind of accept life as it is, we just exist, and we kind of just float through life. I'll be the first one to admit, those are the hardest people for me to love. People that are just floating and just kind of got it on cruise control, it's the hardest for me to just want to hang out with them and be around them, right? Like, I have to pray super hard about that, right? Because I believe that God is doing something incredible, and God is incredibly at work in each and every one of our lives, and that every moment, God wants to do something to point out that he's there and that he's working. And if we're just on cruise control, if we're just kind of living our lives for us and living our lives the way we want to, we're going to miss the things that God is doing, right? And so I want to be somebody who is doing whatever they can to each day in my own life and in other people's life to have a different expectation, to have a greater expectation. Science has even been studying this for the longest of times. 
The placebo effect, you've heard about this, right, in medicine, that if you take a pill, it's just a sugar pill, but if they're told you that it's going to cure something, that miraculously people could actually take that and they actually start seeing themselves to recover or even be healed just because they were taking a sugar pill. And it was a lot of it was just because of their minds. They had convinced themselves that they were doing something. And so as they were taking it, they actually started living differently, thinking differently, acting differently, being engaged in different things, and, it's, and their bodies just started healing itself. Well, the placebo effect goes beyond just even in medicine. The placebo effect, they sign out, it goes out into all areas of, of lives. The way we think of situations, the way we perceive something, directly impacts our interest in it or our dedication to it. Studies show that people will like foods. They think that it tastes better just because of the price of it. So if it costs more, then I'm expecting it to be the best meal I've ever had. And so when you eat it, guess what? Your mind convinces yourself that it is. There's one study I love that they did um, uh, a few years back, back in the 60s. But it was really funny. This, this guy, this teacher, was working with a group of students, gave them an IQ test, saw what their IQs were, and said, man, if they were to see these, they would not have very high expectations of themselves. So what he did was is he went to them and said, hey, here's your IQs. And he gave them their locker numbers instead of their actual test numbers. So he told them that their IQs were way higher than what they really were. Guess what happened? By the end of the year, the kids had outperformed everybody in the school. Their expectation of themselves grew as they thought that they were smarter than they really were. Nothing changed other than their expectation of themselves and their ability to be engaged in the work that they were doing. Your expectation, the way you perceive something, the way you want to see something, the way that you are walking into church, the way that you're living out your life, the way that you're engaged in your marriage, the way that you're, when you move into a a new job or to a new community, your expectations of that place, you often find what you're looking for. If you move into a new neighborhood and you're like, I'm going to hate my neighbors, guess what? You're probably going to hate your neighbors because it's what you're looking for. But if you have a mindset that says, you know what, I'm going to go in, this is going to be the best neighborhood I've ever lived in. It may or may not be, because that's pretty subjective, right? But your expectation, your desire of it then produces something different. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me on this? This is big stuff. And what I'm talking about here now, this is not just something, because this is something we could see in the Bible, right? It's clear in the Bible. This is not just some positive way of thinking. If you just think positively, then good things will happen to you. Because you know what? That's baloney. It's not true. But if you have expectations set on the right thing, then what you expect in the moment, in the situation, if your expectation is of God and it's biblically grounded, what you're hoping to see God do, what you're expecting for God to do, if you're looking for it, you will see it, you will find it, and it will change how you live out your life. In Psalm 62, verse 5, it says this, that for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope, is from him. The word hope in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is to expect. It is to have a expectation. And so it's not just an expectation of maybe it'll happen. It's an expectation. It's it's in the Bible. It's a strong, it's a confident, it's an assured expectation that what God said he's going to do, he's going to do. Hope is expectation. And it doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from our abilities. It doesn't come from our actions. It doesn't come from our responsibilities. It doesn't come from our heritage. Our expectations come from God. And too often times what happens is, is we place our expectations in things and instead of God. 
I'm hoping that this person will make things better in my life. And guess what? They made things miserable in your life. Right? Oh, I'm going to, I expect, man, if I could just get this paycheck. And then all of a sudden you get that paycheck and guess what? Your needs go up. Right? And all of a sudden you're just like, I thought that paycheck would fix everything. And it seems like now I just need more. Right? I hit a little too close to home. I'm not getting too many responses on that. We've all been there. Uh, but the powerful thing, the Hebrew word for hope here is tikvah. And the word tikvah, what it means, it means literally it's a cord. See, our hopes, our expectations, they are bound to God. They are tied to him. That when we live out a life aware of who God is, and we say, listen, this is the life that God wants me to have. These are the things that he's wanting to do in my life. This is what his word says. And no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my experiences are, no matter what the words that others are saying into my life right now, those don't set my expectations. What's setting my expectation is God and God alone and his faithfulness. I am bound to him. My hope is bound to him. Nothing else can cause me to have hope or nothing else can leave me discouraged other than attaching myself to something other than God. We have an expectation that comes from him. So we can have an expectation. You can have an expectation if you want to that God's going to answer every prayer that you lift up. You have an expectation that God's going to answer every prayer that you lift up, and guess what? You're going to be disappointed. Or you can have an expectation that no matter if your prayer is answered in one day or five years, whether your prayer is answered through an adopted child or a biological child, that no matter what happens, no matter what the situation looks like, that God is the same in each and every situation. And your expectation comes from Him. And you say, no matter what's taking place, no matter what's working out in the situation, no matter if what I wanted, no matter what if I'm praying for, no matter what I can understand happens or not, my expectation, my hope, it will not be shattered because it's bound to Him. He's doing something bigger than I can understand, something beyond what my mind can grasp and comprehend in this moment, even though my prayers are not being answered. I know that he's good and he's working something out. When you have hope and expectation in that way, hope is living in a God-centered universe instead of a me-centered world. Hope is saying this world, this life, this universe, everything that's in existence, it is because of God. Just like Terrence read tonight in the worship moment, it's because of God. It's for him and it's through him. As we hear in Colossians, right, that that is who is supreme in this moment. So everything I want, everything I could hope for, everything I could desire in this moment, it's him and him alone. And when we live with the mindset that says that, that I'm expecting God to come through, I'm expecting God to do something in this moment, when we live with that expectation, God wins every time and we're blown away in every single moment. Because I'm just telling you, there's been so many moments that I've wanted ABC to happen. And instead I get Q, F, and G. Right? And in those moments you can just be like, what? I did not pray for this. Or you can stop and you can say, what is it that God's doing? Because he's faithful, he's good. My expectations come from him, not from me, not from this stuff. So what is he doing in this moment right now? What is he working in my heart right now? Who is he directing me towards? What place is he taking me to? What, I, what is he trying to open my eyes to? What passions is he trying to help me to discover? That's where I want to be. Those are the things that I want to do. I want to live in a God-centered world instead of a 
God, God-centered universe instead of a me-centered world. So we do that by living with great expectation. Living with great expectation. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Jesus is risen from the grave. Hey, I don't have hope and expectation because I can do something. I don't have hope and expectation because of what my bank account says. I don't have hope and expectation because of what my resume looks like. I don't have hope and expectation because of who my friends are. I have hope and expectation because Jesus came and lived this perfect life that I cannot live. And in living that perfect life, he came and he did everything that I could not do. All the things that I would fail at, he succeeded at. And then in the place where he deserved nothing but glory and honor and power, he submitted himself and he took on the punishment. He took on the death that I deserve. And he beat that. And he rose from the grave. I can have hope and expectation. Man, you guys are way too quiet. You can have hope and expectation because Jesus has conquered everything. We have hope, not because of what we can do or accomplish, but because the living Christ has accomplished all things. Hope, it's not some wishy-washy, maybe, if this, then kind of mentality. Hope is assured confidence that God is who he is and that things will work out. So listen, I'm telling you, I I understand. You have had unmet expectations. Things have happened in your life where you wanted this to happen and you got this, or maybe you just got nothing at all. I'm not trying to say just ignore that and just, you know, live and smile because things are going to work out. What I'm saying is, is where you are, if you're discouraged, it's okay. Be honest about being discouraged. But make sure that your heart doesn't sink into a place of discouragement and be defeated. But instead, let your heart rise up and say, no, I'm a child of God. God is at work. God said he is with me. God said he's gone before me. God said he's got a plan for me. I'm going to see this thing out. So where I am right now, I'm expecting God to show up. And that's all I'm looking for. And guess what? He's going to show up right there in that place. You're going to have moments when you have an expectation. And that expectation is not met. It's going to happen. Just this week, trash came on Thursday. And then as the trash came, the trash was gone while we were at work. We came back, and our trash can was missing. We're like, where's the trash can? And so Michelle's running around looking for the trash can. She's looking at neighbor's yards, and she's got the kids running around the neighborhood looking for our trash can. And so we spent $80 on this trash can when we first moved here. And, like, I mean, that's a lot of money for a trash can, right? I don't know what we were thinking. And so I'm like, I'm never spending that kind of money on a trash can again, you know? And so I was like, we're going to find that trash can. You know who took our trash can? The trash company. They took it all the way to Chesapeake because they liked it. I don't know. They just took it. They're like, oh, yeah, we got it here in Chesapeake, right? I have an expectation that my trash can is going to be taken care of by who? The trash people, Right? And it didn't happen. You're going to have silly expectations. You're going to have great expectations. They're going to fall through. Things might not always work out what you want, but have great expectation. Why? As a follower of Christ, Jesus has accomplished all things. 
He's accomplished all things. So no matter where you are, if you're in a place of discouragement, he is there. He's already accomplished everything that he wants to accomplish. He's just giving you a chance to see how good he is, how powerful he is, to see who you are and what he's done in your life. So embrace that moment. Embrace him and have an expectation that God is going to work through that moment. Have great expectation. Have a strong and confident expectation because he's accomplished everything. And when you live that way, when you live in that place, it becomes contagious. It becomes visible. I love as Peter goes on and he's writing, he says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain. Now, I don't know about you, but that verse has always stood out to me. Why in the world would somebody come and say, hey, why do you live with such great hope? Why would somebody just walk up to me and say, hey, why do you live with such great expectation? Hey, you just got let go from your job that you've been at for 20 years. And on your way home to tell your spouse you've got a flat tire. And now you're in a place as you're sitting there trying to fix your flat tire. Trash man who stole your friend's trash can is driving by and hits a puddle and splashes you. Seems like everything's falling apart, and you're sitting there, and you're saying God's going to work things out. What is wrong with you? Right? The faith that we should have, the confidence that we should have, the expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, that God will be faithful, that good will happen, that he has good planned for and good prepared for us, for his glory, and for others to come to know him. When we live that way in that place, people begin to notice and they begin to see that something's happening in your life beyond what you can explain, beyond what you can understand. And guess what? People like it. And they start asking you about it. A lot of times, you know why people don't want to know about our faith? Why people don't even maybe know that we're Christians or following Christ? It's because we have low expectations. Or we just decided to not even expect anything anymore because we've lost our passion and zeal. And we live lives of discouragement instead of living lives of faith. We've got to live a life that says, man, Jesus rose from the grave and everything is accomplished. I've got a great expectation that he's going to do something good. I've got a positive mindset on who he is. Maybe I don't got a positive mindset on this situation. Maybe I don't got a positive mindset on who they are or who I am in this moment, but I know who he is. I know what he's going to do. And so I've got an expectation that is bigger than myself and bigger than the situation. And when you begin to live that way, people are going to begin to take notice. They're going to begin to see that in your life. And you are going to have a chance to step into their lives and explain what God is doing in the moment. You're going to have a chance to point to him and to show people. So we should live with a visible expectation. We should live with a visible expectation. I love here in this verse as it's talking about, when it talks about this in, in, in verse, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. This sense right here is you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life, as it says in the New Living Translation. It says it this way in the ESV, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. The New American Standard Version says, but sanctify Christ as the Lord in your hearts. What is this verse telling us? This verse is telling us to, in our hearts, put God in his proper place. 
in our hearts to secure that God is good, that God is powerful, that God is supreme, that God is ruling and reigning, that we are to put him, we don't make him holy, we don't make him great, he is already great, he is already holy, he is already faithful, but in our hearts, it's our responsibility to set him up as that. It's our responsibility to put our eyes on him, to lift up our view of God, so we are to have a great expectation of him. We are to have an expectation that says, this is what God's going to do, that when something bad happens, and when something takes place that we wish wouldn't have happened, or we don't have an expectation met in a certain way that we wanted to, then in that moment, we're still sitting there going, man, God's going to do something. Something's going to work out. I can't wait. I can't wait what's going to happen. Come on, God's going to do something good. Man, you just lost your job. I know something's awesome going to happen. I'm going to get a new career from this thing. I'm going to get a new passion. God's going to open up a door. We're going to move to a new community. We're going to reach new people. Man, you're crazy. I know, but God's going to do something awesome, right? That's the way that we should live. That's the expectation that we should have, because if God is for us, then what? Right? Come on. Do we believe that? We don't live that way sometimes, do we? So we walk into a moment. If you get into a situation where your car breaks down, it's a bummer. It's okay to be mad. You don't got the money to pay for it. It's okay to be upset about that. But don't let that be the reality. Let that be a place where God can be glorified, where your view of him can be lifted up, and your opportunity to reach somebody could be set in motion. The expectation of the moment is not, God, are you going to provide? God, are you going to come through? God, is my car going to get fixed? God, how is this? He says to us in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry. Hey, don't worry about the clothes. Don't worry about the food. I got all that stuff taken care of. What you need to worry about is advancing the kingdom of God in this world. I got everything else taken care of. But a lot of time, our expectation is, is if God will come through here, if God will answer this prayer, if God will get my car fixed out, if God will do this, and if everything's okay, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. Right? You know what it should be? My car's broke. My bank account's broke. My back's broke. My tools are broke. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus in this moment. It's a perspective shift. It doesn't change anything in your reality. It doesn't fix your car. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. But you know what it does? It changes your hearts. It helps you to sanctify. It helps you to make God holy. It helps you to lift and exalt God in your heart. And when you do that, you begin to have an expectation of God working and it moves you and it stirs you. Because expectation, expectation, it's about humility and confidence. It's about humility. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I can't figure this out. I can't make this work. (sighs) But he can. Oh, he can and he already has. And I'm his. And this thing's going to work out. I don't know how, but when he says go left, I'm going to go left. When he says go right, I'm going to go right. And when he says go backwards and I stumble and I mess up and I decide to go forwards instead, he's still there with me. He's going to help me. He's going to pick me up. And he's going to say, come on, let's do this thing. Right? Thank you, Celeste. I'm going to wrap this up real fast here. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. We should live cheerfully expectant. We should live cheerfully expectant. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. 
How do you keep yourself fueled in a flame? It goes on. Verse 11, part B, it says, be alert, servants of the master. Be alert, servants of the master. Oh, look what's happening right here. I didn't expect that to happen. Oh, but God's at work. God's at work. I can't wait to do my part. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I can't wait to see the door that he's going to open up. I can't wait to see the things that he's going to do in my heart. Right? You tracking with me? You're alert. You're observing. God is at work. God is doing something. He's good. From the beginning of time, he set in motion the opportunity, the desire to discover declare his love and to invite us into relationship. So he's constantly at work to do what? Draw us close to him. This moment, this situation, you know what it is? It's a chance for us to be drawn close to him, to be made aware of him. I can't wait to see how he's going to do that in this moment. I can't see how this is going to work out. Be an alert servants of the master. Verse 12, cheerfully expectant. Cheerfully expectant. I love it in the New Living Translation. It says this, never be lazy, but work hard. Come on, that's a message for the church right there, right? Never be lazy, but work hard. That's not very nice. Never be lazy, but work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. That word enthusiastic, it's best to be translated fervent. Fervency. What the original word there is, and it's understanding of where the root came from and the literal sense, it's to boil. It's to boil, it's to seethe. How do you know a pot of water is boiling? Not a rhetorical question. How do you know a pot of water is boiling? You see it, don't you? You see it, right? Live your life enthusiastically. That you're set on fire. That you physically can't contain your excitement for what God is doing. You've set your expectations. You've set your hopes solely on who God is. Solely on his word. You've set everything. You have bound yourself to him. That no matter what, no matter if the prayer is answered or if the prayer falls. And I don't see an answer for five years. It doesn't matter. He is good. He is faithful. And I don't want to be anywhere else other than in his presence. Close to him. Aware of him. Looking. Wondering. What is he doing in this midst? I want God to reign. I want him to rule. I want him to come out in this situation on top in my heart because I want people to see him and know him the way that I do. I am bound to him. I have hope in him. I have expectation in him alone and it stirs you and your life begins to boil. Your inner self begins to just come out in everything that you do. Now you speak words of hope. Now you speak with joy and confidence. Now you walk with your head held high, not because of who you are, but because of Jesus and knowing him, now you know who you really are. And you can walk with strength and boldness. You can walk with assurance. You can know that he's called you to live a life of meaning and purpose now and that you can live that out because he's empowered you. He's placed his Holy Spirit inside of you to speak to you, to encourage you, to empower you. That when you don't know what to say, he's right there saying, say this. When you don't know what to feel, he's right there saying, it's okay, I got you. When you don't know where to go, he's saying, it's all right, just take this one step. I got the other 20 taken care of. Don't do anything other than trust me, expect in me, hope in me. You're stirring, you're boiling and people begin to see it. You're why? To glorify God so others can come to know him.
him. You're boiling. You're stirring. What's going on in your life? Why are you living that way? Why do you have such hope? Why do you have such expectation? Man, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done. Let me tell you about the times that I've seen him work in my life when everybody looked at it and said it's hopeless. I found hope in that place. And man, I'm telling you, I have not been the same since that day. You're boiling. You're steaming. Because you know why? You know why? It's amazing. When, when water boils, you know what's happening? On a chemical level, hydrogen is held together by pressure. Atmospheric pressure is held together so the chemical that is in there, in the water, it holds it together because the form is, as it begins to boil, as it begins to boil, the pressure releases and the bonds that are there, they begin to release. And guess what? The hydrogen is able to come together and it's released as a gas expectation. It releases the purpose that God has put in your life. When you begin to boil, when you begin to stir, when you begin to have an expectation of who God is, when you begin to have a confidence that he's working and your life is just all a stir and you're just excited, you're like, I can't wait for God to do something. Guess what? Who you are and who he is, it's released. It is set free. So we need to come into church, what? Not just hoping that things are going to be good, but we come into church saying, God is going to speak tonight. God is going to work tonight. Somebody's going to come in here sick and they're going to leave this place healed. Somebody's going to come in here with a broken marriage and God's going to start the work to restore that marriage. Somebody's going to come in here and need a job and they're going to have three offers this week, right? Have an expectation that God's going to do something. I have an expectation that God's going to work in my life. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I know He is. And tonight, I'm going to come in here expecting to be further encouraged in that, further confident in who He is. It changes the way that we live. When you go into your workplace, it's not just so that you can go into that workplace and get a paycheck. You're going into that place as an ambassador of grace. You're going into that place as a child of God to declare His glory and His power. You walk in there expecting your boss to be a jerk so that you could show him grace instead. Come on. It's a perspective change. It's not going to make everything better. It's not going to fix everything. I'm telling you, it's going to make everything amazing. If you change your heart and you shift it, if you change your heart and you let your view of God be elevated, I'm telling you, you cannot be untouched by it. You will begin to be just set on fire by who he is and what he's doing. So, Father, I pray in this moment. God, I pray in this moment, Lord, as we stand even right now to worship you, as we stand to sing of your goodness. Father, I pray for each and every person that is in this sanctuary, wherever they are. Father, I pray, God, that you begin to stir in their hearts. God, help them to realign their expectations. Father, maybe you don't want them to get that promotion. Maybe you don't want them to get that house. Maybe there's something else you're working at, and it doesn't seem like anything's working. God, help them to stop, not put their hope in those things, but help them to put their hope and expectation in you and you alone. And God, as they begin to see you at work, they begin to see your faithfulness. They begin to see the purpose that you've given them. They begin to see the life that you've called them to live, and they're full of meaning, and the water begins to boil, and who they are is released, and you begin to work in their lives in a powerful way. Way. God, give them the faith and the strength of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to walk out this life for your glory and meaning and purpose, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, for any of us that have come into this place discouraged because we've had more expectations unmet than we've had expectations met, 
Father, help us to not put our hope in the wins and loss column. God, help us to put our hope in the column of Jesus who has won everything. And maybe we've had 25 people let us down. You will never let us down. And maybe we're surrounded by people who's not going to do anything again but let us down. God, help us to step into that moment and say, I'm the person that can help encourage them. I'm the person that can strengthen them. God, change our perspective. God, help our expectations. God, to shape the reality that you are present, that you are working, that you are faithful, and that you are good. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's worship.